So earlier this week, I had the opportunity to go to one of our Catholic high schools in the diocese and celebrate Mass there for them. And it's always fun to do that, you know, to be with like 800 kids to celebrate Mass with them there at the school, uh, to preach and all that kind of thing. So that was great and had a good time. And then afterwards, I was at lunch with a friend and was talking to him about it. And we were just discussing how it went. And at one point, I started to say, you know, it was actually a little tough to preach when I was there. And usually, I, I like preaching. I enjoy preaching and all that kind of thing. Uh, but to go to the school and preach was a little tough. And so the first reason was because we we're in a gym and there was 360 degree uh, seating. So I was literally in the middle of a gym, um, spinning in circles, like, trying, trying to preach. And I was like spinning in opposite ways so I wouldn't get dizzy and all that. So that was a little tough. But what made it even more tough was the fact that there was just about no audience participation. Okay, so when, when you preach or when you speak in public in general, it's nice to have audience participation. So like when I come here, you guys laugh at my jokes or at least give me a pity laugh, you know. Uh, I can tell when you're getting it because, you know, I see some nods out there and that kind of thing. I can tell when you're confused because I see some blank stares out there. But when I was at the school, um, it was just nothing. You know, it was just deadpan from the kids. And you know, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to complain or insult them or something like that. I'm just saying that's where they were. That's where they were in their faith um, when I went to speak to them. Just didn't seem like they were interested. And so after that, I was thinking to myself, well, gosh, maybe there was something I could have done differently. Maybe I could have used more jokes or better stories or uh, talked about a different topic or something like that. And I was trying to figure out what I could have done differently. But then as I was thinking about that and thinking about what they might have wanted in that homily, I started to think about desire more generally and what happens when we desire something. And so we think about what we're desiring even at this moment. We can have desires on all sorts of levels. So for some of you, maybe you're tired and you would like to go to bed right now. Maybe some of you are hungry and want to go to brunch afterwards. Those are real desires, right? Those are the basic desires, though. And so what happens when those are filled? What happens when you get enough sleep and enough food? You kind of move to the next level of desire. And the next level might be something like wanting um, some type of possession. Maybe you want shoes or a purse or a car or a house or even something like that, something big like that. And you work and work and work, you save up until you can get that thing. And then what happens? You get it, you enjoy it for a while, and you're satisfied in that way. But then your heart moves onto something else. Your heart moves to a deeper level, maybe. And your heart, after that, might move to um, a relationship or love or marriage. And that's a real desire, too. Obviously, that's a good thing to desire. But once you achieve that, once you are married and have a spouse, then what happens? You realize that there's actually something deeper than that, too. Actually, it's not the case that, uh, as the movies tell us, that another person is supposed to be your total fulfillment. That another person is supposed to be your soulmate or something like that. That they fulfill you in every way, and that should be the end of it. That's not the case. We recognize that there's a deeper desire than that. And I think this is actually one of the reasons why the divorce rate in our society 
can be so high is that we believe that, well, if I'm married, this person is supposed to fulfill every need that I have. And then if you get married and realize, "Uh uh-oh, that's not happening, and you say to yourself, oh, gosh, maybe I made the wrong choice. Maybe I should marry somebody else and get divorced and, and so on. But that's not the case, brothers and sisters. We just realize that we can't be fulfilled by another person. We can't be fulfilled totally, anyway, by somebody else who's broken, who's sinful, who's imperfect, because we all are. We all desire something deeper than that. We all desire perfection. We all desire infinite love, infinite truth, beauty, and goodness. We're made this way by God, who is love itself. We're made by love for love. We're made to be in this relationship of love with God, our creator. And that's our ultimate fulfillment. That's our deepest desire. That's the, the top level desire there. And we all have that because that's what, how we're made. And as St. Augustine says, Lord, our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. And we recognize this in our own life. Every time you fulfill a desire that's less than God himself, you're left wanting more. Because that's how we're made. And so back to the high school, I realized how ironic it was that those kids sitting there who didn't want to be there, who wanted something else in that moment, who wanted some type of other desire to be filled in that moment, actually the fulfillment of all their desires, of all of our desires, was right there on the altar. Jesus Christ himself, body, blood, soul, and divinity, made present to us at Mass. How ironic it was that the one thing that they truly wanted at their deepest, at their core, was right in front of them, and yet they didn't recognize it. And so let's keep that in mind as we go through our Gospel reading today. It's a very, very interesting reading. And um, it can seem kind of plain at first. You know, it's kind of like, okay, Jesus heals a blind guy. That's great. But let's go through it because I think there's more than, we can, more than that that we can pull out of it. So Jesus, it says, is walking along with his disciples and a sizable crowd. So, you know, a bunch of people following Jesus. And Jesus is just walking from point A to point B, walking down the road. And it says there was a blind beggar, Bartimaeus, on the side of the road. And notice that Jesus doesn't stop for him. Jesus doesn't walk up to him and say, oh, you're blind? Okay, I heal you, and then keep going. No, Jesus was going to walk right past him. But it was Bartimaeus who called out, Jesus, come here, help me, have pity on me. I need your help. And then the people around Jesus are kind of like, shh, stop that. Jesus is a busy guy. Don't bother him. He's got places to go, things to do. Don't bother him right now. But thank goodness, Bartimaeus didn't believe that lie. Bartimaeus cries out all the more, Jesus, help me. Son of David, have pity on me. And finally, Jesus stops and says, all right, call that guy over. So someone goes over to the blind man and says, hey, Jesus is calling you. Why don't you go see him? And then maybe the coolest line in this reading, it says, he threw aside his cloak, sprang up, and came to Jesus. We can just feel, we can just imagine the uh, desire, uh, what's the word? The intensity which with, with which Bartimaeus approaches Jesus. The eagerness with which he approaches Jesus. 
that desire to be healed. And then something a little strange happens, or at least it seems strange to me when I was reading this gospel. Instead of Jesus just healing him right away, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And at first it's kind of like, well, duh. You know, it's a blind guy ran up to you. What do you think he wants? And of course, Jesus knew what he wanted. Of course, Jesus knew his heart. But Jesus still wanted, to make, wanted him to make his request known. And then he says, Jesus, please heal me. I want to see. Jesus, of course, heals him and says, go on your way. And the blind man follows Jesus after that. All right, so let's take the outline. The blind man calls out. Jesus makes himself present. Jesus asks, what do you want from me? The blind man asks and receives, and then he follows Jesus. Okay, so now let's think about what we do at Mass, brothers and sisters. When we come to Mass, we're crying out to Jesus. We're saying, Lord, we're here, we're together. We need your help. We're broken, we're sinful, we're imperfect. We need you, Jesus. Please come to us. And then Jesus makes himself present on the altar. And then in Mass, we can really think of Jesus asking us this very same question, what do you want me to do for you? So imagine, like I just disappeared right now, poof, and Jesus was standing right in front of you, right in front of each and every one of you, and asked you this question, what do you want me to do for you? What would your answer be in that moment? Hopefully, it wouldn't be one of those surface-level desires. Hopefully, you wouldn't say, like, oh, you know, Jesus, I, I'd really like some brunch right now. Or, I'd really like that nice watch I've been looking at. Can you do that for me? No, hopefully, your answer would be that deepest desire that you have, that we all have, the desire for perfect love, for infinite love, truth, beauty, and goodness. Hopefully, you would say, Jesus, I want you you are love. I want you to fulfill me. And then when we make that real request, he gives it to us. Body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. We receive him and he heals us. And then we're called to go follow him. So notice how, the, how what we're doing at Mass is like a perfect mirror of what's happening in this gospel message. Jesus wants us to come to him. Jesus wants us to make our desires known to him. Even though he already knows your heart, even though he already knows what you want, because he made it, he created you, he wants you to make it known to him in Mass and to receive the fulfillment of all your desires right here in the Eucharist. And how tragically ironic it would be, brothers and sisters, for us to come to Mass and to be distracted by some other desire some lesser desire, distracted by what we want to do after Mass or what we have to do the rest of the week or some family situation that's going on. When the fulfillment of all of our desires is right here. And worse yet, how tragically ironic it would be for us to miss Mass for something else. When we try and fulfill some other desire by doing something else than going to Mass. Maybe it's a vacation. Maybe it's a sporting event. Maybe you just wanted to sleep in on Sunday and you're trying to fill some basic surface level desire and yet you're missing out on what's 
truly going to fill you. God Himself present to you. Don't let yourselves fall into that trap. Brothers and sisters, come here and receive Jesus. Receive the fulfillment of all of your desires in the Eucharist and make your needs known to Him. Let Jesus heal you. Let Jesus make you the disciple that He calls you to be so that you can follow Him on the road wherever He goes.